Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara and I'm here with my brother and co-host Devin. Hello. Hello Devin. Hello. Devin, what do you got for us today, this evening? <laughs> Tonight. Yes. A carpenter's credo. All right. All right. When we build, let us think that we build forever. Let it not be for present delight nor for present use alone. Let it be such work as our descendants will thank us for. And let us think, as we lay stone to stone, that a time is to come when those stones will be held sacred because our hands have touched them. And that men will say, as they look upon the labor and wrought substance of them. See, this is our father did for us. Oh, see, this our father did for us. I messed the end up. But it's in in quotes. This our father did for us. That, I, I saw that on Instagram. I think that some people liked it. John Ruskin. Do you know who that is? Maybe. John Ruskin. It sounds like an artist. Mm. Like, no, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be a carpenter's credo, so maybe he's just a great woodworker. Ruskin. I'm thinking of a... I'm thinking of a, a like a painter from like the 1800s or whatever, or is a Ruskin, but I don't think it's John Ruskin. Is there is there any other art form, like furniture making or carpentry, so... Um, unknown to the masses, you know, as yeah, like right. m- making furniture and and I would say making, but now that's become a popular thing. But the greatest minds and the greatest versions of this thing are unknown to you know ninety nine point nine. Yeah, like I I personally couldn't name really anyone. I mean, there's some people obviously if you're into woodworking stuff, you'll know the guys. Right. Yeah. But the general public knows nothing of them. But anyway, so he, that was just a good quote. Um, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> think <Yeah>. when, <laughs> when we build, let us think about we are building it forever. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's true. No. I, I, sorry. I, I do think of that yeah. sometimes when you're making something. Right. Or even my videos are, are videos, but me putting the videos together, not as much. I, right. I like to think of them in the future as a, timestamp i go oh someday they'll be able to someone will be able to look back on this like we're still we're working on the toy box for my daughter and she'll be able to go back and watch it and say oh there's uncle dustin making this toy box and you know right be sitting in her college dorm with it or something and she'll be sitting on it as as a a a, a, i don't know what maybe she won't have books in it but you know all her yeah uh, maybe yeah all her digital devices right maybe art supplies or something or or yeah or you know, blankets or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have a couple thoughts. So <clears throat> one is um, kind of just goes back to the idea of, 
you know, creating something that's lasting. Um, mm-hmm. And how do you make something in a way that's going to potentially last for a long time, right? Be, be a viable piece of whatever it is you're making for generations to come. Right. Um, and I think there's, there's a level of kind of, I guess, um, craftsmanship or complexity that comes into creating something that is, you know, something that is, um, like it, it has the potential to wear away over time. So you, you know, it's going, you're building in a way that's going to last, but, but it's made out of materials that then potentially could just, you know, wear away or rust or rot right. or, or, you know, eventually lose their stability, you know? So like glues and, woods mm. and metals and things like that when we're and, building you know but that's like potentially generations right crafty crafty style stuff like right. if you're knitting or something right, a, a exactly. blanket is a great thing but it, you know it, it won't probably be here a hundred years from now right it's going to deteriorate this like material we're using is going to deteriorate now if you have something like an axe head or you know things that are steel right they're going to they're going to preserve mm. a little longer and obviously <laughs> the more you kind of if you take care of them over the generations, right, it could last potentially forever. Um, but right. you're still creating something that you hope has the, the like integrity to hold up for a certain amount of time. Um, so that's my first thought on this idea, right? That you're creating something that, that is timeless potentially, right? right. That, um, and then that rolls over into my other thought about art. And when I'm creating art um, with that mindset of how do I do a piece of art and me specifically as like a landscape painter, how do I paint a landscape in a way that uh, is timeless, right? Or that it has, it has hints of its time, but isn't like fashionable, right? Because we know that fashion and fads go a short amount of time, right? They're like, this is what's, this is what's trendy now. And how do you, how do you kind of circumnavigate that trendiness and get figure, you know, get to the part of that artwork that is, that has substance to it that will last over time. And whether that's like the material you're using or it's, um, you know, a compositional idea that you're building a composition, you're building what's inside your image based off of a certain thing, or if that's, Mm -hmm. um, a theme, right? Because something like landscape painting is something that is a little bit more timeless. It's been around yeah. for quite a long time in different forms, you know, but, but like, right. so, so that's the kind of same idea is like, how do I do something that is um, potentially timeless, but also does relate back to the time that I'm doing it. In? Right. A fun, Be- a fun question. Because when your grandchildren do look at it, them spotting probably the time period that you did it in is an right. interesting part to the, any, to, to what they're looking at, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this is what they were using at the time. This is what I can see. This is how either the landscape changed or the subject has changed. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fun. I think that is... It's definitely something that I've thought about in, in art and in craft. You know, like, mm-hmm. when, when I'm coming up with... Um, you know, knife designs and things like that, all, all the designs, all of the knives that I've made have come from my own head and obviously my own head is full of images and references of tons and tons of other knives that I've seen. Um, so potentially as like, just as a knife maker, you know, I'm using, I'm pulling all this like information from years of, of, uh, you know, looking at inspiration, looking at other knives and kind of 
picking and choosing what I like about things, and then that kind of makes up what my preference of a knife is. Right. And that, that also goes with, like, what I use it for, right? I like to make knives that are that are kind of camping and backpacking and bushcrafty because that's what I do. Mm. You know, like, I'm, I'm not – if I were living in the jungle, you know, I'd probably make more, like – parang type knives that were longer like machete style right because that's what i would use them for if i was up in the arctic i might make more ulu style knives because that's what i'd be around that's you know so being on the east coast you know kind of make something for your area but then also same thing with a knife like is the design a, a classic design is it something that's fashionable you know like there's i would say there's like a fashion right now for brute to forge knives right and that's a knife where you leave some of that forged texture on the blade and i love the way they look but that's definitely like something that's fashionable right now right um and you know again for like a pretty good reason because it looks awesome but mm. um is that something that you wanted to you to want to put on there is that something that's sustainable right if you like if you leave pits in in steel that can gather and contain you know bits of moisture and rust right. then because they're there because they have been, you know, either formed or you're pulling it from a piece of steel that already has that texture on it. Well, like, is that going to be sustainable? Um, so I like the idea. I like that whole idea of of balancing, you know, this kind of potentially sustainable over a long amount of time, you know, whether it's art or craft. Um, what do you do? How, how much time and effort do you put into something to make sure it lasts for a long time and that it will, like, you know, go from generation to generation, or you do something in the moment, right? Because there's plenty of stuff that I just do in the moment. Like I need to, you know, build the projector box. So we used glue and, and like a nail gun, you know, pneumatic nail gun and just put it together because it will work perfectly for what it's doing now. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's one of those things, I guess, like, I guess technology specifically because technology is moving so fast. Um, it's hard to, to imagine like, a bit of technology that would be like sustainable over a long amount of time. Right. You know, I mean, you have like the ideas of things, right. But the, but the technology behind those ideas change like projection, right. Mm -hmm. So you go from like shooting light through an actual negative on a film reel to project an image to fully digital projection that we have now. Yeah. I think right with everything you get to a point. Well, not to a point. Okay. Let's say, Every endeavor has a perfection spot you're trying to get to. So a lot of technology is almost perfection isn't a reachable goal in modern technology, right? Like the right, perfect yeah. projector necessarily. I guess there is a perfect goal, but it can always be clearer, brighter, right. cheaper. But certain things you can hit a perfect goal. Older crafts, maybe that's why people are so interested in it. There is an achievable goal. Like one of the people who liked that quote that I found on Instagram, it probably came up because of him, uh, Justin Dietrich. Right. He's doing the whole timber framing stuff at Maker Camp. So there is kind of a perfection. Right. Yeah. Timber framing doesn't get better. I mean, it gets cleaner, right? You can yeah. maybe make it a little better, and there's the the perfect examples of it, right? Maybe a great barn somewhere or something like that. But the end site is there. You're not constantly chasing a new style of timber frame. It's been perfected. 
Right, exactly. So uh, I think he would like that quote. Like, (laughs) these things that will last for a long time. Yeah, a a timber frame building will last. And your your grandchildren can see that and put their hands on it and say, and see actual where your your hands were and your your cut marks were and you know right um, yeah yeah i think that also brings up the the whole the whole idea of like how far do you push perfection before you lose the artist's hand in it mm, right mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. how how like if we go back to like timber framing you know if you cut all, cut all your joints perfectly you know everything is done perfectly and all of the like all the milling is perfect. All of the like hewing is perfect. You feel good about it, but then have you lost the evidence of the person? You know, right. same thing with with knife making. If I go back to that again, you know, I can I could like make a knife perfect. You know, and and I that's my goal. Every time I'm making a knife, I want to make sure everything is symmetrical. You know, that all the scratches are gone. All the like everything that I can do is clean to the point where people will look at it and see, you know, the cleanliness of what I did at the hand. I guess that's the difference, right? That there's, there's for single maker for, for a maker of a single type of thing and you buy that thing or whatever, someone, you know, buys something you have, they know that you made it. So then they can see the quality in the details. Right. Um, so, but I, but that does you know, like how far you push something before you just relax a little bit and let some of those minor details, you know, minor flaws, possibly, you know, if you want to call it that, when do you leave right. those behind to right. leave the hand of the mm-hmm. maker? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, um, I would say any, any great musician, you know, they start out young or let's say, let's take classic rock, for example, you always, you have all these great musicians who made this great music in the 60s and 70s and there was uh, it was raw and there was live recordings and yep. they were trying stuff out and they were on drugs and drunk and blah 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 so there's a feeling of the human in it and you know that it's not you know there's no um auto tune or anything and they would all play right. together in the same room right right and then you get like the same people and their albums from the 80s and 90s are super clean, super perfect because they've they have more money. They have all the money in the world, all the time in the world, and they have the best musicians in the world trying to play for them. Well, you right. know, like let's say it's Eric Clapton. It's not just his his buddies from other bands now. It's he's met the best bassist and drummer, so it sounds right. so clean that it's lost what we liked about it in the first place. It's still right. good because it's Eric Clapton, but if you listen to something from the 80s or 90s of Eric Clapton, it just sounds like this super sterile thing that just doesn't have what we want from his music. Right. But, I, yeah, yeah, and I agree. I agree. Um, but I, you know, I think also uh, people who are appreci- appreciate a craft and say if we go back, you know, st- sticking with music – you appreciate the craft because you understand what went into it. But I think those people also will appreciate a live show just as much. All right. You know, cause you understand oh, like, right, right. there's, yeah, there's yeah. both things and maybe, maybe the like produced record is there to gain new followers. Right. And then the people who 
love that group anyway will have the live recording, but then they'll have you know like they'll they'll have the live recording from the shows, and they'll have the pr- the studio recordings mm-hmm. from the you know from the album that they put out, and then maybe maybe that maybe like the cleanliness is what wins new new let's say customers right or new a new audience and then the grit is what sustains people you know they're like maybe they want that yeah they want that reality maybe if like, i guess at, yeah and yeah now now we're going into a different conversation about like music <laughs> and, and what music's good for that style and right depending right you definitely want a clean recording but that's why some bands, their best stuff is the studio album, and some bands' best stuff is their live. It just depends on who you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you know, if you're into yeah. jam bands or something, you want the live right, albums. Of course, you you right, want that. That's, yeah, that's where they're jamming. Right. Right. If it's if you're into some type of uh, EDM or tech stuff or right. um, just anything maybe really sharp uh, yeah. rock, like heavy rock, like or even something like Queen, you know, maybe you want the... Fully produced. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, it, there right, is. It, it depends on what who who you're. Right. Of you know, course. if there's a you sound want, that you're looking you, for, you want the Beastie Boys albums. You want the records. Right. You don't want Beastie Boys live. Not that it wouldn't be great, <laughs> but you know, it's that's not what we're searching for. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think yeah, maybe that's also that like. Uh, it. It's the like it's. It's the craft. It's it's the thing you make for the layman, the person who's trying to draw in, who doesn't know about your craft, mm-hmm. right? You make the clean thing, and then as people understand it, then they start to like look for the more raw thing. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's evident in like all the every movie you see now has outtakes or has all behind the scenes. Like if you get the DVD, you're gonna get all that because you want to know about the character, you want to know about the actors mm-hmm. who are behind the character. And like what they did to make that movie, I think it's the same thing with like a show like Forged in Fire, right? Forged in Fire is, is not a. It's, I think it's interesting to knife makers, um, but it's really for non knife makers, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it's like it's about getting more people to be interested in something that then push wow. this awareness and more like so, information so into the craft. Maybe maybe it's in a way like the the Bob Ross of it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Just exactly. this on the outside very interesting from beginning to end in a in a uh, a condensed program. Yeah. Yep. I mean obviously people watch Forge and Fire they don't necessarily think oh I can do that. But right. you're still amazed by the the quick turnaround and transformation. And it, it brings people in, gets them interested in it, and right. then you can go deeper from there. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that also can, you know, describe what we do on our channel, <laughs> you know? It's like mm. we're, we're condensing everything down that I do in the shop to make something that might take us 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours into, right. you know, a half an hour or 45 minutes or less. You know, so it's, again, it's that kind of, it's a it's a how to because you could follow along and I am giving you tips and tricks, but it's also really just like a check this out, you know, like look at this things that I've done, um, you know, this is how I do it, but we're you know you're not going to show everything. It's not like coming actually into the shop and being there the whole time, right? And learning like hands on and getting like instant feedback and you know. Uh, don't hold it this way, you know, move your right hand over a little bit and you hold it this way and it'll work a mm. little bit better. You know, so it's like, 
it's it's just that kind of intro type thing that brings more people more people in which is what i mean like fortunately unfortunately however you see it maybe you know with like tiktok and um instagram you know stories and reels and all that stuff it's like this the attention span is getting shorter and shorter so we have to figure out how to like push this stuff down into smaller and smaller things that are going to hold people's attention if that's the type of audience that you want right you know for me i think i'm i think and we know where our style is and we know we yeah. like longer things and i want to sit down and consume something in a big chunk a big chunk not a small like right. when i sit down and focus on something i want to focus on it for a while um and i'm i'm relatively new to instagram right like a year i've been using it and right i kind of watch people's stories but i really don't like it and not to mention the video stops and starts every what is it 10 yeah. seconds yeah it's, it's, it's just it's like oh yeah. So I, I just is, I don't want to sit tough. there and keep watching it or like skipping through and I mean I'm not the audience and obviously it, it works cuz and I I don't mind that people do it. Like right. I understand why you do it and why people have to do it and it's kind of interesting, but as a thing I I don't like sitting down and watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think and it I think it also could depend on how you're using cuz a lot of people do put up like really quick you know, stories or whatever that are just little snippets of things that are happening. Mm. But then, um, like I always, I love watching Jimmy DeResta's stories because he's just kind of bringing you along with his day to day life. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, Oh, what's he working on today? And he'll give that's us little true. snippets of it throughout that's the day. True. So then, then it's like that, that's like a magnifying down into your kind of, then you're almost a little bit more intimate with what's going on. Mm. So then when I see a video, I'm like, Oh, this was all the stuff that I've been kind of following along over the last couple of weeks. You know, I've seen these things happening. So, so it's that kind of, but it's again, I think it depends on how you use it, you know? So why do they still chop it. it up in such small bits? Why can't they just leave it to the size of, if they're going to let you do 30, 10 second bits in a row, yeah. <laughs> why can't you just connect them? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you can do, you can do like a, um, a, a, is it a reel? Maybe that's longer, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even it's just like a like I could record a, a live Instagram live without it actually being live, and do a half an hour and then post it. Um, but maybe I don't know. I think it's I think it's the uh, that you're kind of following along throughout the day. It's almost like tagging along, right? Because I'll see like I'll I'll watch a, a story by like let's say Justin Dietrich, right? I'll see something that he's doing and then I'll watch his, I'll watch his stories. And then an hour later, or two hours later, I pop back into Instagram and I see that he's back up fresh again. He's got fresh content that's added on to what he already did. So then I could like mm. click on it, click on it and see what else he's done, you know? So it's like when you have the chance to check in, you can kind of check in and see where he is. Almost like if you're on like doing a four hour live stream, like we did, for the uh, 100,000 subscriber episode, you know, I think people were kind of checking in and checking out throughout that time. They're like, oh, what's mm. up now? What are you working on now? You know, because it's something like you're just following along with what's happening in the shop. You know, I feel like that might also be sim- like similar to the way we approach um, Maker Camp. And I think a lot of people, right, are all these conferences where you're like, okay, I'm in this section, 
but I don't want to completely like just devote my time to one section. I want to go and see whatever's going over here and see what these guys are doing. And, you know, and then maybe I'll do some of this type of stuff and help out over here, but then I want to come over here and help out and I want to like participate in this. So you got to kind of pop back in and, you know, kind of get a little bit of everything. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I, I think we've, I'm just we've getting, just get, just getting old. <laughs> You're like, I just oh want to sit down to one movie. Yeah, I want to sit down to a 40-minute video, have a beer, and watch it for 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and I think also, like, something like that, you know, we, I know that sometimes, I, most of the time I'll watch all the way through, and there's something that I'm interested in, I'll watch all the way through, but I can't always. You know, That's, I might, yeah. I might watch no. part of it and then come back to it a little later, you know. I think I just want things to watch at night when everybody's asleep. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I can just turn <laughs> something on. I said, oh, great, here. a 35-minute video sweet. Yeah. I'm set. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not going to sit there and flick through 100 people's videos. And I've done it. I just get nothing out of it, personally. Right. I skip through so many things, or I fast-forward through someone something. It's just, it's constant, like, I want exactly what I want. And if this doesn't hold my interest, like, I'm not giving it any chance to hold my interest. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm... If your first two little clip things, I'm like skipping. I'm like swiping past. Even if you're like discussing something and leading up to something cool, yeah, I've already gone out. No, no, I don't yep, like skip, it. But... Skip, skip. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna get through to something that I you know, right. And you could have told yeah. like a story in that chunk right. that I need to know about, but you know maybe maybe that's too in depth for Instagram. And maybe the point is, like you said, to just get a look in if you want, right, on yeah. someone's daily life. If you're into that person. Right. You don't see what they're doing today. They whip out their phone. They show their truck for the day and what they're working on. And then right. you're just done. So, yeah, maybe I, mean, I'm I think, u- I think maybe also I'm using like, it wrong <laughs> or I, I just don't thing? care enough. I, I, I don't know. I mean, even like, you know, the people that I want to follow along, um, you know, I, I follow. Let me see. I follow. Five hundred and forty five people. You know, and I, and as far as stories go, like I might watch five people's stories. So like there's another 540 people that potentially could be doing stories, but they come so fast that they just like, they fill in and back up, you know? So like, I'm not going to scroll through like 40, 50, a hundred stories to see who else is out there because I'm not, I'm just not going to, you know, like they're so (laughs) they're, they're made to be so immediate and check in that like it's not i'm not going to spend 20 minutes checking on stories i'm going to spend 2 minutes checking on stories you yeah. know and see what people are doing you know so and i don't know they also i think it's in me i'm a little hesitant because it's they found a way to shove more ads in you know yeah it's like yeah right. if, if you watch you think you've watched five different things so we're going to slide in an ad yeah right it's like no i didn't watch five things i watched five 3 second clips uh-huh. And you're gonna hit me with another BS ad, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so back to your quote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you drinking Will anything last? tonight? Yeah. Oh, actually, I have a, a funny little thing about that. I'm uh, drinking Flying Dog. Okay. Nice. I'm drinking uh, which a Guinness is Blonde. Ma- 
which nice. I'm actually pouring on top of. I, I waited because I thought it'd be fun to hear that little crick, the like opening of the beer. <laughs> but pouring <laughs> on top of some orange juice, a little uh, beer mosa. Ooh, yeah. I love myself a beer mosa. Yeah. Just like, a, you know, in the bottom of a pint glass, maybe a three quarters of an inch of orange juice on the bottom. And Guinness. Mosa. Yeah, Guinness Bond Guinness is Blonde. the on, only, well, Guinness made in the U.S. is. Yep. That's right. Right here in Balmer. Yeah. Um, and then Flying Dog is in Frederick, right? In uh, another Maryland yep. area. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so the Frederick beer, I, g- I got a mix pack. Um, they have some, their art style in the cans is, do you know, what's the artist who did um, Fear and Loathing? It's, um, uh, 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 I'll, I'll get it. Give me a second. Okay, Fear and Loathing, if you guys have seen the poster. Ralph movie, it's that Sorry. Okay, yeah, it's that weird, like, yeah. paint splatter, but also weird creature, kind of streaky, mm-hmm. wild-looking art. Um, So he, or he does, or he did, I don't know exactly, but they have the rights to it. Yeah. And so they have that kind of edgy artwork, but they also have, like, edgy names. Yeah. So I'm drinking, <laughs> I, I'm drinking Raging Bitch is one of their yeah, big ones, right? Yeah, you are. Nice. So right. Raging Bitch got banned i think from a state really? i think it was maybe one of the carolinas which is just good for them right huh. that's it's so good for their their brand it's just you know yeah exactly we're that's so edgy and it. wild that you know this state banned us i forget the exact I'm story surprised, like not like utah but, or something you know like. right so so it's it's uh oh they just won't let you drink there you know <laughs> yeah right exactly but so it's <laughs> it's they said it was obscene or whatever so i think the um the mix pack is called, uh, what's is it like descent or dissenting? Um, actually, hang on, let me let me grab it right. real quick. I'll yeah, so I did like ab- about, um, rate about Rouse Tedman. I actually looked it up because I was like, that's kind of crazy, like that they continually have these illustrations by Ralph Stedman, who's a, a like a world famous. Uh, renowned illustrator and you know like Devin said they used him in Fear and Loathing, Loathing in Las Vegas if you've seen that that poster with like Johnny Depp's head and his neck being all stretched out and he's got the sunglasses on and the like convertible that's like Ralph Steadman's look is this kind of uh, kind of drippy stretchy kind of crazy illustration and so um, I think they reached out to Ralph Steadman to do um one of the illustrations on one of their beers and he was like that's cool like i'm i'm totally into it so he did it (laughs) and they've like kept going with it you know so he's just like he's their like brand ambassador and they just kind of keep reaching out to him and he keeps doing it and like you said you know there's (laughs) like they've got tons of different ones now i think raging bitch is like has a dog on it you know like a a, an actual bitch right a female dog that's like sitting kind of crazy and looks all weird and yeah, they're they're funny. And Corinne loves the flying dog beer. Like, oh yeah. It's, Ever I mean, since she was great. little, she'd be like, "Oh, there's like, there's that flying dog. There's those cool illustrations." And it's like <laughs> it's just something something else, something fun. See, that just tells you reach out. Sometimes you never yeah. know who you're gonna get or who you're gonna who's gonna be interested in what you're doing. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> see the mix pack. Um, oh man, I, I hit the quote. Hang on, I'm right back. Dang. All right. Well. Looks like it's still me again. Um, I actually got Flying Dog. I got a mix pack tonight, which was, I can't remember what it's called, but there are three beers. They have their con- one that's like uh, 
it's like tr- called like tropic trop tropic peel or something and then they have a um like a deck beer which is kind of an easy drinking beer and then something else we were sailing this evening it's a wednesday evening right now and um and i i got the beer we always get you know we kind of take turns buying beer for the boat and so i bought a mixed pack of um a flying dog with those three mm-hmm. thunder peel thunder peel deck beer and then there's a third i can't remember off the top of my head but um you bought that tonight yeah but uh oh, nice. but the the deck beer was real um what did drew call it uh it's uh what what do you call it? dank real dank like it definitely <laughs> tasted like marijuana i was like that's Ooh. weird like i took a sip and i was like this this tastes like tastes like pot <laughs> and like and sean's <laughs> like huh i like gave sean he like took a sip he's like He's like, yeah, I can smell it. He's like, I've never smoked pot, but it smells like, you know, it tastes like what it smells. And then, sure enough, we give it to Drew, who our brother Drew, you know, he's a, he's a fan of the marijuana. And he, like, took a sip. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely danky. Like, this is this tastes like marijuana. I don't know what it was. It was it's that kind of like, uh, I guess, whatever, that, that danky. Yeah, I, I, don't, like I don't know the taste. Uh, yeah, I don't know the, uh, there's a lot of things that are getting that flavor, that taste. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. If it's if it's not in its proper form, but <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, okay. So I was looking. I had the thing. It, the variety pack says disobedient beer. Now I'm just assuming they're putting this out as like a little fu to whatever uh, state yeah. it is, because right. right now the new look to the raging bitch can it's all black and in big red words it just says raging bitch oh really so it's like they took away everything but the big words right in the middle and it's it's great um and that's isn't that like what's what's the type of beer it says it's a um it's like a belgian style ipa or something right like raging bitches yeah i mean it's definitely an ipa i don't know the exact uh that's a good oh yeah it's great um yeah but yeah, and the quote on the side of it says two inflammatory words, one wild drink. Um, <laughs> but I like I was real I saw that. I was like, Oh, I, that's probably why they're doing it. Like they changed the can just to be a black can with big words on it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like if we're yeah, gonna be talk, inflammatory, let's be inflammatory. Yeah, let's make it as it's big as <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's that's what I'm drinking. Um Nice. What have we been up to? I'll start. We're moving tomorrow. Yeah, we're right. um, we're um, signing all the paperwork and closing on the house. So that'll be cool. And Dustin's obviously helping everyone move, and mm-hmm. we're all we're all busting our butts, moving everything around. Um, yeah. I'm still surrounded by boxes. Actually, we got the box truck dust. Oh, it's nice! A tw- awesome. Twenty-eight foot beast, Whew. and we. Uh, pulled that up i i got it in here and we actually took all the i my wife and i took all the boxes out of the living room and, and loaded them up already so that's about 40 boxes that you don't have to move so all right awesome Appreciate you're it. welcome <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to move all the heavy furniture right. <laughs> yeah but um i can move heavy furniture so we did all that and uh yeah we're getting ready and and i have uh um, a sun porch attached to my apartment now, and it didn't really, I, I guess I did, but you don't realize how much stuff you put out on one of those outdoor porches. Yeah, right. Until you're trying to, like, clean it up and figure it out. So I've been out there for, like, two days. <laughs> and it's finally down, uh, and, you know, many, many um, truckloads later. But, uh, yeah, that's what we've been doing. 
Nice. Yeah. That, yeah, that reminds me of, I mean, we were up at one Saturday up at my, our parents' house and helping them clear out their attic. And it was just like so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you need like eight, you know, eight soft suitcases, you know, soft sided <laughs> suitcases up in the attic? Why do you need like 30 baskets of different sizes that are just living in the attic? You know, like, they're they're not sentimental, you know. It's like it's not like it's sentimental. I mean, there are some things that there are lots of that are sentimental, but there's just like so you know, much like, stuff. Yeah, ten percent. Yeah, exactly. Right, ten percent sentimental. The other like ninety percent is just, it's just things that I think I think what it is is that you get to a point in your life where, or you kind of go over a hurdle in your life where where something is important to you, and then from then on out you kind of consider that importance or that immediate need that you needed at one point, like as a, a continual need, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, like maybe mom and dad needed when we were kids, they needed luggage, like bags for us to go camping, you know, when we're a family of six. Right. So then, you know, it, that was important to them at that point. It was like, Oh, you know, right. there was probably a time where we were short, you know, like, what do we do? We got to go out and buy a new one. So then after that, when you see a good deal on something, you're like, Oh, I needed that thing at this one time and it was really important. So let me get one because I'll probably need it again. You know, maybe that's it. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's a little bit of that, but it's a little bit of being a parent, like an older parent. Yeah. Cause you always, they, I mean, parents always seem to have what you have, need. what you need. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, do you guys have any, um, like small, soft, um, soft, like edge, like furniture, like, um, Something I could pack stuff with and try. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, we got three of them up up in the attic. <laughs> yeah, right, like, exactly. We used them ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, we have. You you can have them. You know, have the time they're just trying to give them away. But it's like they they have exactly because they knew so maybe someone will need this. Right, and, you know, exactly. You, you have the attic, so you just keep throwing stuff up there. Right. Yeah. And yeah. We basically like, filled yeah. up our parents' driveway with stuff out of the attic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they said they had an estate sale, which we helped them kind of set up a little bit and mm-hmm. get ready for that. And yeah, this it was it's it's going to be wild. Like this last weekend that we just passed, and then this upcoming weekend, it's going to be a it's going to be a busy weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just just know that there's a nice there's a good sailboat race that I could be participating in on Saturday that I'm not because we got tons of stuff. Although on Saturday. So Saturday morning, I think I texted you when you were texting the the the, the brothers about like coming up on Saturday or coming mm-hmm. Saturday morning. Um, I'm participating in a archery event mm-hmm. at Baltimore Bowman, which is that like that bow um, yeah, club yeah, that's yeah. at the top of Harper. So this Saturday, there's their like they're called like their Royal Archer event and something else. It's like the Royal Archers and something. Cause it's like a, it's like a SCA, which is society of creative anachronisms, which is like people who kind of dress up, you know, and old time yeah. stuff and do fun old stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's our like local chapter of the SCA who do archery. So there, there's an event well, there. Cool. So they're going to be like an archery event. And then there's like a cooking thing where you like do old timey cooking. And it's actually, I think in the past, it's like a, a weekend long, like a, Friday night, Saturday night type thing, you know, into Sunday, mm-hmm. but it's really like focused oh, on cool. Sunday and Saturday. So, so we've signed up for that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we went and did that. I think we were talking about this last week, the bow class yeah. that we did and shooting some mm-hmm. stuff. So, so this weekend is that event. Um, and so it starts early, I think like eight thirty or nine on Saturday morning, 
which is when we'll be there. And I'm not, I'm not like competing in the in the actual archery event, but they're doing a bunch of archery stuff throughout the day. Like they're going to do a bunch of 3D, you know, targets and a bunch of like fun things like gremlins and you know dragons yeah. and just just doing a bunch of fun stuff so so, so you'll show up right when the pizza comes and we have yeah. most of the stuff <laughs> unloaded at the other house <laughs> hey guys you need me move yeah. some uh, bat boxes or <laughs> i'll do my best to be there <laughs> hey if you want right to <laughs> if you want to dress up and role play an ancient unloading of goods we could <laughs> do that too get your kilt on <laughs> what is this wagon you brought hither they even said they were like if you if you come and you don't have stuff to wear to participate you have to be wearing some type of costume <laughs> and then so they have lots of stuff for people to just like put on when we get there but i feel like you know if i if i don't if i don't come in something that i like it's gonna i'm gonna be wearing like like hose and like a uh, like a tea tunic and like a beret. <laughs> like, oh yeah, are you gonna you're gonna look like? Um, I'm gonna be carrying a uh, loot. What's his name? <laughs> a loot. <laughs> are you gonna look like Peter Pan? Yeah, right. Exactly with like a, the pointed cap. <laughs> yeah, the feather. Some, some like shoes with bells on it. <laughs> so, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know if I'm gonna like wear something or just kind of grab whatever the thing they have, but. It's yeah. um, it's a little silly, but it's also just fun. Like I think we're gonna have a great time, and you know, we all really enjoy the kind of the imagination that goes into that type of thing. So, you know, and this kind of like, I mean, I think just archery in general is an archaic hunting form, and obviously, there's a lot of people that still do it. Um, because, but, but I think it's because of the like the the kind of purity to it, you know, this like, it, um hinting back at some other time when there was like a pure hunting technique you know because obviously we have guns and we have all sorts of stuff and crossbows and things that you know and scopes that can make killing really immediate and also much easier you know mm -hmm. so like if if your idea is to like keep the the animal as pure as possible and not prolong their pain and whatever if you're going to hunt well then put a scope on a rifle and shoot the animal through the heart, you know, like right, that's right. going to be as close as and, and as painless as possible. Yeah. But there's sometimes, some type of, yeah, there's just yeah, something sometimes about, people poo poo, you know, using a, a high powered rifle. Right. And yes, it's, it's easier, but you know, a majority of the time you're going to get a quicker kill with a better right. aimed. I mean, if you use an AR with a hollow scope, I mean, you're going to be able to pop it right wherever you want to. You know, exactly. The animal's not going to flinch. They're not going to like maybe it's gonna, get struck weird right. and you know like run off. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So if, like for the pure humanity of like you know hunting for a responsible thing like you know feeding your family, well then the best like, thing to do obviously is to do it as quick and painless as possible for the animal. Right. So I think you know just the idea of these kind of archaic. Um, forms of hunting and thing, yeah, bushcrafting and camping and all this type of stuff. It's all stuff that we don't really need to do, yeah, but it has. Yeah. There's some type of like primal, uh, like testosterone driven. I mean, it's also <laughs> other other women like it too. But there's something like pure about like knowing that you have the ability to do this type of thing. That is something that your ancestors would have done before there was the modern technology of what we have these days. You know, and if yeah. You know, 
God forbid the post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic uh, the apocalyptic event happens, we'll be ready to go. <laughs> and there will still be bands of people on either sides, like using sticks and yeah, knives right. and arrows. But one group will still wear a mask and one won't, and that's the, they'll just throw down because of that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Stupid stuff. <laughs> one, uh, one group will be like, I'm only using pure ancient technology because the gods have shunned all this new technology. <laughs> and, the, you know, the new people are like, I'm going to use springs and machinery. <laughs> yeah. And many layers of mask. <laughs> yeah, so okay. we're, we're doing that on Saturday. Um, nice. And, uh, and what I've been working on this week, I've been working on the little uh, the Kiradashi marking knife. Um, the file knife that I'll be I'll be uh, giving away at Maker Camp. So that's been really good. It's it. I think I sp- I've spent three days working on it. Um, you know, a couple hours here and there. I made some good progress last weekend on it. I kind of like got the file, cut it down, shaped it down. You know, did everything on it that I needed to do. And then the next day, I think I put a bevel on it. Got it ready to go. So it's 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 close to kind of reaching the the point in it where it's just kind of finished work. And then I actually just stopped today at uh Tandy leather factory to pick up a, um, a stud connector, like a John Brown connector, which is kind of like, if you imagine a, a doorknob, but that type uh-huh. of shape is what you like use to, to latch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of. So I'll be doing oh. a, uh, kind of a, um, I have some material, some, uh, what's it called? Shock cord. So like kind of bungee type cord that I'll put through the lanyard hole and I'll use, that to kind of latch over this little John Brown connector, stud connector. I thought I thought you were gonna say you had to pick up more leather for your yeah. marking knife sheath. <laughs> no, I've got plenty <laughs> of leather. <laughs> gonna pick up a squirrel hide, get this thing done. <laughs> I took my bow out and. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it looks so great. That, I've been yeah. yeah, it's really cool. There's something really nice about that. The, kind of the marking knives that you did for us and that yeah. with just one one edge instead of the point right, but leaving yeah. a majority of the file right you get the text on the bottom um and all the lines of the file and it, it's really nice it's a really cool uh it's a great project that a lot of people could do yeah and i'm i'm like there's there's a secret step that i'm not gonna show on instagram so if you want to know the secret mm. step, and maybe I'll take a picture of it later and post it after Maker Camp, but we'll see. But well, we—I I, I mean, a hint is it's something that I've done in the past, but I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna show what it is. A secret time, step so. to making it or to completing it, like a, a secret feature that it will have that oh, I'm so, not gonna so the, show. The final product, though, you'll know what it is if you the look final, at it. The final product. If I get pictures of the final product, I won't post them until after Maker Camp. I mean, we can do it on the video, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. So I'll be, I'll be doing some. There's something that I'm doing that's interesting and special to this marking knife that I'm not going to show in Instagram because, I, the main reason is because I want it to be a bit of a surprise for the person who, who gets it, at Maker yeah. Camp, right? So like, I like the idea of people following along and doing the hashtag the Maker Camp Maker Swap hashtag, which unfortunately there haven't been a lot of people posting to that. There have been a few people, but I'm hoping that there are more people that are doing it. You know, it'd be kind mm-hmm. of fun to see what people are doing, but I also kind of like the idea that there's a, it's a little bit of a mystery of what you'll receive because if you you know the ideas that you put into the Maker Swap, and then I think on Sunday or something like Sunday afternoon they'll 
I'm assuming they'll just kind of have everything gathered together and then they'll do like pull names out of a hat and give out, you know, to somebody, you know, it's just like, you, yeah, get, no. you get the name of somebody and that's what you get. Right. As um, long as it's not like secret Santa. Right. Exactly. Or what, yeah, wait, what, the what, what's the, I don't know the if white it was elephant like, or something. Yeah. What yeah, was yeah. the quote? It's like an office quote or, or maybe it's a quote and I don't think they said it exactly this way, but it's, it's a, uh, Oh, secret Santa, AKA shitty Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Okay. I, the way that they talked about it was basically like everyone puts in, and then they just draw a name, and you you'll get someone else's thing. It's not like a, <laughs> you get something, and then you can either keep it or or exchange it for something else. That would be fucked up. You know, like yeah, oh, this is like cool, but I think I'm right. gonna exchange it for something else. Uh, be like, all right, f you. So like there, you know, yeah. <laughs> all that is is like two people who have the cool things. They're happy. Everyone mm-hmm. else is upset. Mm-hmm. Because not only do yep. the people not get the cool things, everyone else who bought stuff are disappointed because no one wants their thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. So when they <laughs> were, so there were there were two guys that were introducing it, and I'll actually wait. I'll do. Um, I have a, another recommendation, but I'll do them as my recommendation. But they were talking about it. There, it was kind of their idea to people who are going to be at the um, at Maker Camp, and they came up with the idea of the Maker Swap, and I thought it was a great idea. But when they were introducing it, in their they did a little video on Instagram. They talked like. When they were saying, like, if you're going to do this, do something that shows off what you can do. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's got to be something that that you're proud of, right? That you're like, this is the this is a cool thing that you do, right? It's not just, like, something easy or something quick. You know, this is, like, something that you should put some time and effort into because you want to get something that someone else has put time and effort into. So... So that's my idea too. It's like I don't want to give it all away because I want that person who gets it to be a little surprised, but I also want to kind of, you know, I want to show what I'm doing and I also want to put some time and effort into it and and feel like have a sense of pride in the thing that I've done that it's like either to the best of my ability or it's the best of like, you know, what I could do and the amount of time that I had allotted to me to to make something that I'm proud to give away to someone else, you know. And then I would yeah. feel justified by getting someone else's really cool thing because i know that i put in a really cool thing you know so it's like you want to you want to you want to do enough that way when you get something back that is done really well you don't feel guilty that you didn't put in the time and effort and you know the passion or whatever it is so like it could you know maybe in total the knife is going to take me let's say eight hours to make right and i might get something that spent that someone spent like 50 hours on but this thing that I'm making is something that I'm proud of, you know, and those, those eight hours for the knife and maybe another three hours or so for a sheath and kind of coming up with the design and coming up with something that I think someone else will really like. It's that effort and that pride put into it. So, so that's, that's half of the reason why I don't want to show. And I think also it's kind of fun just to like have something that's, that's special to that person and that they get to see it before, uh, before the rest of the world sees it, unless they're, they're a maker camp. So, All so, right. so if you want to, if you want to have a chance to win, the marking knife that I'm making, the the Kiradashi, which is the kind of the Japanese version of the marking knife. Um, you got to come to Maker Camp and you got to put something into the Maker Swap. Boom. Yeah. So I've been doing that and uh, and then just getting ready to help you guys move this weekend. And um, you know, our uh, our dog Luna. I think I may mention this. She got uh, spayed last weekend. Maybe I just didn't mention it. Mm-mm. But um, but we've been you know trying to balance living our lives and also keeping her from playing with Toby, which is just the biggest <laughs> hassle because they, you know, Luna is a little, 
uh, Beagle Hound Dog, and Toby is a Great Pyrenees. He's a big, you know, big white fluffy dog, and and they just love to play together. And it's so tough to keep them from playing because right. they keep Luna like her stitches and stuff from getting spayed. It's like oh, it's like don't yeah. jump, don't play, stay calm. Right. Oh, it's like man, how do worst. you do that with like two puppies? You know, Toby's one and Luna's <laughs> like eight months. You know, it's like, but so we're like. We're, we're keeping them calm and letting them play a little bit, kind of a little bit more and more each day, but just kind of, kind of trying to keep them calm. But <laughs> Nicole and I are both like, well, we hope this doesn't, you know, permanently affect their desire to play. If we're like a, a week straight, we're like, you can't play. No playing. <laughs> just chill out. Everyone calm down. And they've been doing okay with it, but it's uh, it's tricky. But we've been doing a lot of that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We got the puppy, too. It's... Yeah. He's not <laughs> chopped yet, but... Uh... Right. Well, that'll come. Okay, so Dust, you gave me art, uh, or you gave me trivia last week, and I got some mm. art trivia for you this week. All right, all right. I like it. Hang on. Oh, one sec. Let me mute. The... Oh, man. Hang on. <laughs> Mike's <laughs> falling down. One sec. <laughs> That's okay. Just nice, uh, nice pause in the in the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. How's everybody doing out there? So good to know people are listening. It's so awesome. You know, people will like shout us out, put stuff on Instagram. That's awesome. That's all we're hoping for. You know, we love we love everyone who's listening, but we also just love to you know know people are listening, and you know, you know we do the same thing. Like I love shouting out other podcasts and things, and hope you guys are enjoying what we're putting out here. And now we'll do art trivia because Dustin did movie trivia for me last week. All right. <laughs> Um, so I, I think I'll probably do ten, but I might do a few more. Okay. There's a there's a art history section, and then there's a hard art section. Hard oh, trivia. Hard. Hard. All right. Now I'm gonna say some probably artist names that I get wrong, and you can correct me. All right. Um, okay. Number one is name the extravagant period of art and architecture prevalent in Europe during most of the 17th century. Rococo. No. Take another guess. Century. So you said, describe it one more time. Well, I guess is that the, is that the second? What's the first part of that? Baroque. Yes. Okay, so it's Baroque. <laughs> All right. Baroque Rococo. Baca, Baroque Rococo. So, in my mind, Baroque is like dark, uh, moody, like lots of uh, high contrast. I'm thinking of painting, and then Rococo is like gold inlay and flashy and like lots of pinks and lots of like frothy so in my mind when you were saying like you know kind of that type of stuff i was like rococo but yeah it is baroque first and then rococo comes after you know let me write this down i will give you half a point for that because you all right yeah i mean like i said you know i'm i'm thinking in terms of painting because that's what i do so that's yeah, yeah, completely, no. completely different periods, but they are they butt up against each other, Baroque and then Rococo. Uh, which famous painter was also a sculptor, an architect, and an engineer? Leonardo I guess it could da be. Vinci. Yeah, that's one of the big ones. Yep. <laughs> that's good. He was all of those things. The He's artist. A, a Renaissance man. Stop! You're not getting extra extra points for adding <laughs> other stuff, all right? And one interesting fact about him was <laughs> his mother' name was Sue. <laughs> uh, the artist Kandinsky. 
is considered the first for this type of art. Kandinsky. Kandinsky was... Kandinsky. Um, all right, this type of... I'll art. say this is very a very simple answer. Uh, Don't go too in-depth with what Kand- it is. Kandinsky would be... Um, can see Kandinsky's work thinking like I'm trying to think of the term I will I will preface my answers by saying that um, we did our last sailboat race of the season this evening and then I went to the after party and had like five or six beers and then I came <laughs> home and I'm drinking another beer so so if I'm if no. I'm a little slow in the uptake it might be the it might be the beers talking come on um so trivia is uh, done in pubs, don't you know that? It's perfect. Know, it sharpens yeah, right, the brain. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, Kandinsky would be. Oh, I'm thinking it's like the same thing that Degas did. I uh, say so it's like a very simple, very simple, a very simple answer. Very broad, simple answer. Modern art. No, but not a bad guess. No. Abstract. Really. I, yeah. I wouldn't put Kandinsky at abstract, but okay. That's yeah, I, that's why I was thinking more modern. Like as I know, to like but yeah, it's okay. and it's such a broad answer that yeah, it's abstract. Almost... And it's I mean because yeah, okay, that's fine. No, I don't <laughs> think Kandinsky's abstract, but but he is. He 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 like he was doing kind of these funky shapes and like these like kind of amoeba type things and amorphous shapes and kind of creating mm. images out of these things that are not necessarily uh, realistic. So. I guess that well, happens. according to icebreakersideas.com, he was okay. So <laughs> he was he was one of the one of the uh, proponents of abstract work. Okay, now, here we go. This one this one digs a little here. Uh, which of the which of Picasso's famous paintings was inspired by the bombings of civilians during the Spanish War? It would be called Ooh. Guernica. Guernica, very Guernica. good. Yeah, and Guernica is, is the name of the town in Spain that the bombs were in. One of the towns. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, that one's too easy, I would think. Well, I'll ask it. The American Gothic is one of the most recognizable paintings in the world. Who painted it? Uh, American ah. Gothic is painted by... Um, Alf, no, not Alfred. What is it? Um, American Gothic. Yeah, it's it's the the farmer with the pitchfork and his wife next right, to right. Yeah, right, and it's right. Painted by uh, I can't remember. Last name is Wood. Um, Grant Wood. Yes. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, I like I like that you gave me the last name of the first name because a lot of it, a lot of artists are known by their last names. Yeah. So it's like pulling pulling the first name is a little bit harder. But yeah. Yeah, no, I was I was just like blanking on it. I was like, uh, yeah. The thing about Grant Wood though is like that's he's like he's like a one hit wonder. Mm-hmm. I mean he's got a, he's he's not, you know, it's the same way that like bands that are one hit wonders for their fans they're not one hit wonders, but you know. But yeah, that was his like claim to fame. <laughs> yeah. 
where did Vincent Van Gogh paint the famous Starry Night? Uh, Starry Night. Um, it's not over Paris. So like the city that it's painted, I guess where he painted it. It's a type. It's a room and a and a province. A room. It's a place, like, and and then the province where that place is. Is at. I, I don't know. From the window of his asylum room. Okay, I was gonna at say he was in Remy. The asylum. Okay. Something, something, something. I didn't know that actually. I didn't know that he painted a Starry Night from when he was at the asylum. Well, I know, cool. I know that he was at an asylum because he kind of went mad, and you know, there's the the whole idea that he like cut his ear off and sent it to his girlfriend, who was you know, or who he thought who was girlfriend, you know. Yeah, there's all sorts of fun stuff. Van Gogh, he he paint, he was a prolific painter and did a ton of painting when he was in that asylum. But I didn't know that he painted Starry Night. <laughs> That's cool. Um. Okay. I think I give you. I, I've lost track of the score, but you're doing pretty good. You've only really missed one outright, I think. Oh, and and that one kind of, but okay. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have. I mean, like I said, I didn't know that he painted that from the asylum. Right. To try and prove that Michelangelo couldn't paint, this was the artist that suggested to the Pope that he should paint the Sistine Chapel. Oof, that's oh, a tough one. Okay. So it was another artist, a contemporary, who painted with Michelangelo and suggested that the Pope use Michelangelo <laughs> as a painter. Boy, did he eat his words, huh? Oh, boy. <laughs> I said, man, this is looking really good. Uh, oh, how, how much did you pay him for this? Yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Crap, that's not bad. You look at him just laying up there doing, man, wow. Uh, Maybe he was just afraid of heights and didn't want to paint the thing. So get Mike to do time, it. He was painting. Get Mike. He's painting at the same time a Tinaretto. Was it Tinaretto? No, not Tinaretto. Nope. No. Um, let's see. Who I will say he's there? got a long name. Okay. But it's AKA something simple. Um, it's a single word name, AKA. Okay. Um,. Michelangelo, Raphael. You know, I'll, I'll give you the back end of his his uh, name, uh, not Titian. the part. Okay. Sanzizo da Urbino. Urbino. So but there's a, there's a name in... Yes. Okay. Yeah, Raphael is from Urbino. Okay. There that's, you go. That's kind of odd, though, because Raphael was... He was a painter, but I, don't know, I always feel like Raphael is more of a sculptor. That'd be, I mean, but Michelangelo was a sculptor too. I mean, he did tons of amazing sculptures. So, yeah, cool. I like that. Yeah, Raffaello. I went to Urbino when I was in Italy. It's a really cool town that's like up on a hill and it's got a wall all the way around it, and it's all these like really steep, like really narrow streets and stuff. And it was cool going to Urbino and knowing that Raphael was from there. So nice. It's awesome. This famous painting by Leonardo da Vinci was used for target practice by Napoleon's soldiers. Uh, was it the Last Supper? Yes, it was. All right, nice. Yeah. I, but see, I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if that's an old wives' tale because there was also, 
some things that they also used the Sphinx in Egypt as right. target practice and like shot his nose right. off, but that yeah, wasn't yeah, really yeah. how it happened. And and also, I mean, the Nazis like were on Hitler's like request; they were collecting artwork. Right. And I mean, Da Vinci wouldn't have, he wasn't a Jew, you know, so they weren't like there was nothing against that. So they would have been collecting, not defacing. But but it was but. The the well, Last no, Supper is a fresco, right? So it's not, it's permanently on a wall. So N- Napoleon, not oh Napoleon. Okay, sorry, Napoleon. Not, not, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay. No, it's di- <laughs> that's different. Sorry, you know, French, thinking, not <laughs> German. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I guess. Yeah, I guess if they're like Napoleon's going through and just you know, destroying stuff that he doesn't care about. Right. This is in French. Catherine David. Okay. Here, here we go. Okay. This is supposed to be the last few ones. I'm going to give you from the hard art trivia question. Area. All right. I like it. All right. What is unusual about Leonardo da Vinci's famous painting, the Mona Lisa? I don't know why I keep doing da Vinci's. I guess the, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's one of the big names. Uh, the the biggest thing that's unusual about it is that, like, the Mona Lisa smiling and um. And at the time, that wasn't really a thing that you would paint women doing. So I would. I would think that. That's what I would think. Okay. Well, then this is it. Is it? If it's not that, then it might be that they, that she's like recognizable. No, it's, like, it's a feature okay. on her. Uh, other than the smile. And and that's kind of a objective, subjective question that. Uh, you know what's unusual right. about this painting, and anyone right. could say what's unusual. Usually, you hear about the smile, the smirk. Yeah. This says she has no eyebrows. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know it's kind of silly. Yeah, I don't even think about that. That's funny. <laughs> the Mona Lisa, no eyebrows. There we go. Oh, weird. The famous painting "Birth of Venus" by Botticelli features mm-hmm. a goddess floating in the ocean on what? On a clam shell. Yeah, very good seashell. Yeah. But we yep. will. Take clamshell. The birth of Venus. Yep. Um, well, these are kind of silly, but... <laughs> oh, here we go. This one will really test you. All right. What year was Picasso born? Picasso. I would say... I'll give you... If you can get within 10, 10 years of his birth, I'll, I'll give it okay. to you. I'll say 18... Is that your final answer? Let's see. Okay, I know that like in the 40s and 50s he was around. Maybe he was, maybe it's a little bit later. Maybe it's like 1890, 1885. I'm going to, I'm going to say 1880. Let's say that. 1880. Sure. Uh, Pablo Picasso was born 1881. Oh, yes. Nice. That's awesome. Good good job. And your, your original guess was within 10 anyway. You were six away. Yeah. That's That's really good. Yeah. There's, there's some like, there's some color photos of Picasso and he's in his like sixties or seventies, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I knew that like that would put him in the, like the 1940s, 1950s. So, right. 
kind of making my guess on that. I mean, knew, I knew he transitioned between the 18s and the 19s. So. Well done. Thank you. 18, dang, 1881. All right, nice. <laughs> <laughs> One year off. That's a good. That's a good guess. And I, I don't think I ever learned that. I think uh, in art school or anything, I don't think I ever learned when he was born. But like right, I said, I was, I was purely of... going off of like the work that I knew he did and the, like the photographs I've seen him in. You know, so <laughs> yeah, it's like couldn't have been too early, but it also wasn't too late. So all right, nice. I'll give you two more. <laughs> okay. Um, which technique did Vincent Van Gogh use to paint sunflowers? Impressionism? Technique? I mean, it wasn't yeah. cubism. That was like Picasso like invented cubism with Brock, but they didn't but sunflowers isn't really painted in cubism. What's the Italian word for that? For cubism? For impressionism. For impressionism. Uh uh plain air? That's not no. Italian. That's like French. we uh, no. Um the word here is close to impressionism, but sounds Italian. Okay. What is it? I don't know. Impasto. Impasto. Okay. Impasto. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've heard of that before, but, you know, it's not. I guess, like, that's why I was like impressionism, because he was a lot later than impressionism. But I was trying to think what that would be, because impressionists were people who basically, like, painted light and painted color to mm-hmm. to represent what they saw and they were mm-hmm. also painting from life you know the impressionists were like the first artists that had paint in tubes so they could actually go out in the landscape and paint which is why they were doing it the way they were <laughs> right yeah that like instant gratification because everybody else before that had to mix their own pigments and you would do that in a studio because you'd have like a, a media you know a medium or whatever oil a vehicle and then you'd have pigments and you grind it and you'd make it and that right. would happen in the studio but then they started making paint in tubes, and then so artists could take them out and paint in the landscape. Wow. Very so cool. So that, that is one of the, like, well, you said Van Gogh, right? Not, or was it, or, right, who did um, Sunflowers? Uh, yeah, Van Gogh. Yeah, Van Gogh, okay. Yeah, not Picasso. Sorry, I know I said that, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, Van Gogh, Picasso and Brock did Cubism. Van Gogh, yeah, he was he was on that he was on the later end of like the impressionists and stuff. So, and the realists. Well, a, a little extra one will do. Uh, the primary visual element in impressionist paintings is what? Primary visual element, which is also a kind of a broad question, but primary visual nature, the landscape, color, light, light. color, color. Uh, yeah, what Primary. a bro- kind of a weird answer, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, that's because like, I was saying, like, you know, impressionists were all about like doing color and make you know portraying mm-hmm. light as color. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's what it is. I mean, impressionism was that it was just kind of finding all the colors and everything in the landscape, predominantly landscape. All right, we'll nice. wrap it up with this one, right. which is the only piece of art artwork that Michelangelo had ever signed. So artwork is it is it one of the big ones one that I'm, you know? I'm, I'm actually not sure no I, I don't really know the okay I don't know this one from the answer all right that they've given me um it's not the Sistine Chapel no 
It's not like David. No. I'm trying to think. Um, not that. I don't know. I'm not sure. I didn't know that he didn't sign only more than only one. <laughs> it starts with the. I can give that to you. Um, the the assumption. No. The virgin. No. Okay. I don't even know if it's been an assumption, but. It is the uh, Paita. Oh, the Pieta. The Pieta. Pieta. Pieta is the, um, it's when it's, it's Mary holding Jesus after he was crucified. Ah. Pieta is that whenever you see like the, you know, Mary holding a a full grown Jesus when he's dead, that's the Pieta. Huh. Okay. Michelangelo's Pieta. I'm trying to, I can't even see, I can't even like picture what that looks like. Which is a shame because I love Michelangelo. Like I love his work, and I've always loved. Like he's one of my favorite kind of artists from that time period because mm. Michelangelo was a sculptor. Like that's what he wanted to be. Like he wore, you know, he like he he was like you imagine like a, a stone sculptor. Like he's got like the the tough like canvas clothes on and he's always dirty and he's got the funky like sculptor hat and you know it's like all those things that you think of like those kind of um niche people who do like niche type things when they're they're really proud that they do those type of things that not a lot of people do that's what michelangelo Mm. was about about sculptor the sculpture he was a stone sculpture that's what he wanted to do oh no okay wait i'm sorry It, it is a stone sculpture Okay, yeah, the Pieta. That's why you can't. Yeah, yeah. That it. It never said. It just said piece of artwork. I guess right. Got yeah. a little mixed up. So it is. It is sculpture. It is. It's a sculpture of the Pieta, and that's. I kind of assumed it was the Pieta. The one right. I'm thinking about, like the, the best Pieta, I think, is Bernini's Pieta, which is a stone sculpture as well. But it's like, it's um, very um, it's full of ecstasy. <laughs> the like, the Virgin is like. Uh, there's it's, it's some good stuff, but yeah, that's cool. I like it. The Pieta. Yeah, this one nice. has a lot of robes. She's she's yes. really covered in it, and he's right. he's very skinny. Jesus is laying on her. Right. Yeah. Wonder why he decided to sign that one. I don't know. That's yeah. Uh, like, um, was that I'm, the um, one? Yeah, and I'm I'm surprised that he didn't. Um. <sighs> I'm looking it up too. I'm yeah, look at it. I'm looking at Michelangelo's Pieta. Yeah, yeah, it's um. Man, you zoom I'm, in I'm on her on, on her like on her blouse. Yeah, I know it's that, crazy. Isn't it? It's so really, really, and all out of marble. It's insane. Just it, yeah, I mean, like I I love Michelangelo, but I mean, to me, Barton on the best stone sculptor is Bernini. Um, if you mm. ever look up any, if anybody wants to see some amazing stuff done with some stone, look up Bernini sculptures. They're just incredible. Like just incredible. It's crazy. I mean, you're looking at the fabric of her, like on her chest and what it looks like, how it looks like fabric around skin. But if you look at like Bernini's sculptures, basically the same thing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. But All cool. right. All right. Nice. That was the art quiz. Well done. You did very well. All right, thank you. <laughs> all right, I could tell all my art teachers from art school that I remembered some of the stuff, <laughs> some of the stuff they taught me, some of that old school white guy art. 
That's great. Yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing. I was like, maybe I'll maybe I'll look up another quiz for Dead this week because it's kind of fun, you know, going like doing some quizzes. But it was cool. All right, I gotcha. All right, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I I put a couple things. Oh, I wanted to tell a story. So um, this week I was working in the shop and I was working on the Kiridashi on the marking knife um, from a file, and um, I'm kind of I'm kind of grinding away, and I've got my all my like PPE on my you know ear protection, eye protection, mask. I'm wearing a leather apron. I actually took a picture of myself and posted on Instagram, being like modern day armor. You know, it's like this stuff that we put on as protection these these days, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of like I'm focused and I'm grinding and I'm like really tight on. It. I'm focusing, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this like spark fly. And I'm grinding metal, so sparks flying is not a weird thing. You know, there's, like, right. sparks flying down. Sometimes a spark will get caught on the, like, on the grinding belt, and it'll come all the way around, and it'll shoot back up to where my face, and I even have a little, like, blocker thing there to kind of block some of those. Yeah. But I see it fly, like, above me and to the left in a spot that it shouldn't be flying, which is over near the motor. And I see this, like, and it, like I, I can smell it just a little bit, which is weird too, because I can smell it through my respirator, which I'm wearing. And I like, I kind of stop for a second, and then I like start grinding again, and then I see another spark fly and another like puff of smoke, and I realize that it's like coming from the motor. Mm. And it's not, it's not like, it's not that the motor's catching on fire, but there's like occasional sparks will hit the motor, and something that I don't do that often is clean out my motor to my grinder. Right. This is kind of a PSA. Like, if you're in your shop, make sure, especially if you have a motor. Like, my motor is not really the motor on my grinder, on my two by seventy two, is not really designed specifically for that. Uh, it's, um, it's the Revolution grinder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Revolution yeah, we, and, Brian and, House. Yeah, and uh-huh. we specifically discussed about putting some type of grate over that because right, it's because, so open. Exactly. Yeah, and a lot of people will will get grinder motors electric motors that are that are self-contained because of the amount of dust that gets, gets inside and mm. the, the wear and tear that it can do to it and it can like you know shorten the life of your motor because you have you're letting like metal dust and stuff get inside but i i never really thought about it as like potentially a you know a fire hazard as well because you have all these sparks flying and and i use the 2 by 72 i use the revolution for predominantly metal and I use my 2x42 predominantly for wood. And the reason I do that is because of that, right? I want to keep wood dust on one and metal dust on the other. But, I mean, they're all in my shop, right? There's always, like, mm-hmm. wood and metal dust flying around. So, so like, fortunately, it didn't actually start a fire in my motor, but it, like, it was on the edge. Like, I could tell. Like, I was feeling <laughs> like I was smelling it. I was seeing sparks fly. I think they were, like starting to spark outside of it. So I actually stopped and I took my compressor and I went over and I like shot air all inside. And like, there's just like plumes of dust coming out of the motor and like, <laughs> Ooh, you know, it's so like shooting inside. And then I went over, I cleaned off the, uh, the two by 42 as well. I got that one clean. That one, that one has a more self-contained motor, but, um, but yeah, so it was just a, I was thinking about it because it was something that, um, when you work in a shop and you're working with metal and you're working with wood, the 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 possibility of a fire is is really compounded when you're adding those two things together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually listening to the Making It podcast from a couple weeks ago, and and Jimmy Dresta was talking about how when he was in a shop with his brother back in the seventies or eighties or something, or 
forget when it was exactly, but they had a shop together and he was grinding something away and, and, um, he's the grinding or something like somehow there was like an ember that got like fell into a trash can or something. And it started this like huge fire and his brother was up in the mezzanine area of their shop. And like Jimmy like did something real quick ground, you know, was like went to a grinder that they normally grind wood and he ground some metal for like a split second and then walked away to go do whatever he's doing. And like, and his brother like yelled down to him was like, turn around. And he like turned around. There's like a 10 foot flame, like bursting out of this, like, you know, trash can or whatever. And this, so fortunately where they were, it was in the spot where they were able to put it out. You know, they were in like some, a place with high ceilings and stuff, but like I could imagine something like that happening in in my shop down in the basement. So <laughs> just, uh, just be aware that if you have like, you know, when you're mixing those two things, uh, wood and metal that you need to be extra careful. And, you know, like I always, I have a bin for my boiled linseed oil rags and stuff because that can combust and, there and I have a fire extinguisher down the shop now, which I didn't have for a while. So there are definitely things that could um, potentially go wrong. So if you have a shop and you're making stuff, just just be mindful. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be a safety sally and tell you to do everything really safe, but just be mindful because the potential is just compounded on top of each other when you start like mixing all these different mediums together and things that uh, you know could possibly ignite and light a fire without even knowing it right it could be like hours later you have a little spark that just like sits in some like sawdust and just it just a little ember and that ember just sits there and then and then like maybe the wind kicks up and it blows a little bit of wind through your shop and it hits that ember and it like you know goes crazy so yeah it's in my mind it's often in my mind i'll come back from like a long weekend away (laughs) and be like all right good the house is still here I'm, i'm like i'm still doing things right in the shop (laughs) <laughs> maybe we need like at least if not a well maybe a grate or a uh you can almost just put some type of a wheel well around it around the motor right. just so things right. aren't falling directly down into it right exactly just yeah which exactly. is a so yeah a big percentage of the dust and dirt is just stuff dropping straight down from the right from above you know yeah yeah, yeah collecting yeah. dust and dirt and stuff but and yeah i mean you know the other thing would be ideally is to have a shop that's not the basement, but you know, but this basement's so convenient, you know, <laughs> it's right there. It's, it's so nice. Maybe, <laughs> maybe down the road. Diligent. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll do one quick before we wrap it up. It was right. just, I was thinking that when you said that it was, I'm taking all this stuff down to the dump, trying to clear the sun porch off before we move into the new place. Yep. And I got this big old ping pong table that we've, we've, you've played on, we've played on, but I just have no oh, room yeah. for it in the new place. Nobody wanted it. So I had to break it down. And, uh, so I was swinging a sledge at it, but I didn't have, I mean, I had no, nothing, no protection <laughs> and I'm just hitting it with a sledgehammer. I got like flip flops, shorts and a t-shirt on. I'm just out there at noon and no, nothing. And, uh, nice. I think something did fly by me, but it's, you know, it's just, it's metal and bolts and like particle board. Yeah, right. Anything like could fly board, straight yeah. in and and and, <laughs> and and scrap metal flying past you and like ever and I just that's one of the things you think about it and when you think about it you probably that's your clue to go do it, right? Yeah. When you yep. think about maybe I should wear something, when that thought comes across your head, you should do it right away because right. there's a reason <laughs> that's coming to you. But I yeah. didn't and I came out okay, but 
you know, there were definitely times when I would see a bolt fly. I was like, oh, boy, that good thing that didn't come my way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did break it down, and uh, Dump did take it, so all oh, is well. Man. Oh, man. We've had that. That, that uh, ping pong table's been around for a while. Yeah, so now it's uh, in the county dump. All right, well, it is what it is. It had its time. It brought a lot of pleasure to our family over the years, and uh, and now it's a it's an important part of us. Hopefully, uh, you know, informing others to be safe <laughs> with the way that they uh, they uh, go about their daily lives as makers and people who do stuff <laughs> that's right if you think about it then do it because the right, thought has exactly. come into your brain yeah right it's there for a reason right you you've heard somewhere else someone else has given some crazy horror story with like a bolt hitting them <laughs> in the eyeball and they you know then now the one eye from their rest of their lives and whatnot so <laughs> if you see something say something <laughs> right <laughs> All right, um, so my recommendation this week um, I'm going to do is I'm actually going to do three three different guys um, and because I do want to shout out the two makers who um, kind of put on the Maker Camp Maker Swap, which I mentioned earlier. Um, so we have uh, Keith, who uh, his Instagram is at Blackthorn Concepts, which is kind of funny because the maker camp is at the Blackthorn Resort, but apparently there's no connection between the two. So that's Keith uh, at Blackthorn Concepts, and then also Stu at uh, Yellow Mug Inc. Yellow M U G I N K and I N C. Yellow Mug Inc. Um, <laughs> so so Keith and Stu are the ones who put it on, who do the challenge out there, and I think it's a great idea. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm on board. That's going to be fun. And then, uh, and my third, so, so that's, again, that's uh, Blackthorn Concepts on Instagram and also Yellow Mug Inc. And then uh, third is uh, Keen Timber and Tool. Um, so Keen Timber and Tool is a guy named Zach. He does some really awesome um, axe restoration, and he does some other stuff too. But he has some really beautiful work with, uh, with like, palm swells for axe handles where he's using, like, laminated um, – other bits of like kind of exotic woods and things and then laminating them onto the ends of handles to add that extra thickness to be able to do the palm swells um which is where i saw his work but he does some really beautiful uh axe restoration and and really beautiful handles and interesting uh designs and um you know kind of picking out cool uh cool looking materials and woods and stuff to to build up those uh those um the palm swells on axe handles, which is uh, always something that in my mind is always kind of like an afterthought. You know, it's like, okay, I only have a piece of wood that's this thick, so I have to glue on some wood to be my palm swell. <laughs> but but he does a really good job at making it look purposeful. Like, mm. like he could have had the wood and he cut it off so that we could do some stuff with laminating some other interesting stuff on to make kind of make you know make the end of the handle just as interesting as be- beautiful as the axe head or the wedge or any of those things so nice. so check out uh keen timber and tool on instagram man three recommendations i know yeah right on there you go um i don't do you remember my last week recommendation i don't want to double up here um was it uh i can I, tell you give me one second in my notes from last week 
Uh, this is a little extra recommendation. This is Love and Death from Woody Allen. Oh, yeah. Okay, so definitely. Okay, fine. <laughs> right. That, that's right. We were talking about movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I want to use uh, or recommend a, I guess it's a tool, a thing I've been using a lot moving all this stuff. Um, I was looking for certain, I mean, I got um, come along straps and, and, and bungees and rope and stuff. And I was looking for something online to cover everything right in the back of my truck. Mm -hmm. And then I stumbled on it. It's, It's such a simple thing. And probably a lot of people have it is just a bungee net. Yeah. And th- that's that's it because I've been using the last the <laughs> last week. It. It's been <laughs> awesome because it's like whatever for me it's worked perfect, especially dump runs and stuff. Right, you can throw a couple straps down on something, but if you have like I've had scrap metal and recycling yep. and like a TV and some other stuff and like foam and stuff, mm-hmm. all in the same load because you're trying to clear stuff out. And instead of, like, strapping everything down, I just threw the bungee net over, c- c- clipped it in. It's got a bunch of carabiners, came with it. Nice. It's like an Amazon thing. It came with, like, 15 carabiners. Yeah. So you clip nice. it down to everything, and it yep. I, it was ready to go. And it's everything super secure. That's awesome. Um, and it was awesome. Just, just it's uh, really nice. And, uh, I was, yeah, just. I was up? thinking that same thing for Dad's truck. So we were helping out on Saturday. My dad had his truck, the back of the truck, completely full of, you know, just trash and junk and stuff to go to the mm-hmm. dump. And uh, was that that was my thought. Like, oh, he needs one of those bungee nets to just throw over everything. <laughs> right. Because, again, it's just like a bunch of stuff. Like, it would probably all stay in the truck, but it might blow out. You know, like, right. just enough that you like, what do I do? And, yeah, you can zigzag a bunch of lines back and forth across. But to having just having a bungee net that you can throw over and bungee down and you kind of create, you know, just enough hold on it to kind of secure it to make you feel better about, you know, driving down the road with a bunch of shit in the back of your truck, going to the dump. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're not necessarily going to want to throw it over like a piece of valuable furniture, you know, to really strap it down. You're going to have to crank something down with that. But right. When you got a bunch of random stuff, I don't know if there's anything better. Cause the net is like, uh, I'd say like six by six squares. So right. anything, oh, anything, yeah. anything bigger than that will not fly out. Right, exactly. And yeah. I've I've taken many loads this week, and, and everything's been <laughs> tight and in there, and and it, whatever I chuck in the back of my truck, I just throw it on, click it in. Nice, and you just got that from Amazon. Yeah. Cool. So I mean, you don't really have to put a link. Just look up bungee net on Amazon. There's a bunch. Yeah. Pick the be- pick the best rated one that's a decent price. I think mine was like twenty four bucks. Yeah. Right. And the other thing about that too is that that you know once you take it off and you put it, it crumbles down to like what like you know six by six or something you put it in a bag and like yeah you know, yeah just, it's like, got you it's, put it in like a gallon ziploc bag and toss it in the back of your truck or something oh yeah it's got yeah, a it's tiny like no it's, for yeah nice. yeah this one came with the bag and the carabiners and and i might just end up laying it in my truck <laughs> right in yeah <laughs> it's like clipped down to the two the front and the back um right yeah, clips the, on the bottom of the bed yep and it, it might just lay there <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I'll just throw it, clip it in, and we should do yeah. that. We should do a uh, like a a truck toolbox. You know what you should have in your truck because I've been Ooh. kind of refining that list over the last couple of years since I've had trucks. You know what 
what things do I make sure I always have in my truck that are possibly needed? And, and, uh, you know, the nice thing is that like everyone's list is going to be a little bit different, but mostly the same. I think if someone has a truck, so, or maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that. If some, we, we do, we do that or we do a comparison. Okay. Like, like we, we pull two trucks up and we have similar stuff. Like we right. put it all next to the trucks and then we load it up and then we try to secure it all and see, see what's, right. what's best for what. Yeah, but I'm thinking just, like, what you would have in your truck just to go out and about. Like, what things do you think are important to keep as a truck person, you know? Like, oh, yeah, right, What right. do you keep, you know? Like, what's what does your toolbox look like in your truck? You know, what right. things should always be there? And, like, as a truck person, you know, you have this you have this idea that your truck can do things that other vehicles can't. Right, so right. so you're always prepared with something because you know that there might be an instance that you might have to do something that a truck can do that a car can't do. So right. what you know, what do you add into your like into your to go bag or toolbox that should always be with you in a truck? I know Wrangler Store has done this a couple of times with his trucks, but I you know, and um, you know, that some of that may have been influenced over the years for uh, what I put in my truck. But you know, there are some <laughs> things that I always like to keep in my truck. Just in case. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Well, it is. this is a late one for us, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. We're here to entertain and chat, and I think we always have enough stuff to talk about. We're at an hour and a half, like normal. <laughs> so mm-hmm. thank you guys so much for listening. It's been truly a pleasure all these weeks that we've been doing this. is really fun, and it's great to know you're out there listening. Um you know, you can always go support us. And for those of you who do support us over on Patreon, we just want to say thank you so much because mm-hmm. it really makes a big difference. And and uh, and and it's just super generous that people are out there that want to support us. So thank you so much. Um, thank you to those uh, uh, people that we have recommended. It's awesome to see other people out there doing stuff. And uh, make sure you don't forget to go over to YouTube and follow us there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Art of Craftsmanship, and uh, follow us both on Instagram. See what's happening, yeah. and uh, yeah, and and we will. Uh, I'll be moving, so this is the last broadcast from this area uh-huh. apartment for on my side. Because if you guys don't know, Dustin and I don't always broadcast. Most of the time, we don't podcast together. together. We're, yeah. we're we're separate. So this will be the last one from here, and then next week I'll be talking to you from the new house, and then I guess after that we'll be coming back from. Um, Maker, Maker Camp. Camp. Yeah, so we'll be reporting back on what happened to Maker Camp. Which yeah. Super exciting. Super fun. I'm really excited. And hopefully see a bunch of you there. If we do and you listen to the podcast, let us know that you listen because it's super fun to hear that. We will give you a sticker. Yes, we will. We got stickers. Yes, they're <laughs> coming. They should be here on the on the sixth. So I think it'll be oh. on Tuesday and then we'll be <laughs> we'll be taking them up. So if Perfect. you if you know the podcast and you'll know the stickers you'll know what the theme is so <laughs> all right everybody uh thank you all so much for listening hopefully we see you up at maker camp and if not that's awesome too and we will talk to you all next time everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.